Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd. Thank you if you have already subscribed. If you've not done that yet, get that done for me, please. It really helps us out. Rate and review as well. At the end of this podcast, I will let you know who is next week's guest. That's something new we are starting today. And on to today's show. I'm going to start with saying that throughout this show, we're not only going to hear from people that have done insane challenges, but also from people that have committed their whole life to a sport or a practice. Today, just that. You might know this lady as Mind Body Bowl. She has dedicated her life to the practice of yoga and in doing so, completely changed it. This is Annie Clark on Why in the World. So we're in Homerton and I'm with Annie Clark. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. So I wanted to get you on and people won't be thinking like traditionally you're someone that is like an extreme athlete. But those people probably have never done yoga. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you when you messaged me and originally told me about the podcast, I was like, couldn't quite see how I fit in. And then I thought back to the first time I did yoga and mm. I was like, well, yeah, I can actually, this works. <laughs> so I'm definitely a yoga beginner, I would say. So yeah. I've only ever done hot yoga. And I remember the first time I went, just a bit of context, uh, I got in there and I thought, oh, it's a bit warm in here. It's going to be difficult. <laughs> And I'm not the most flexible person at all, which probably isn't very good to start with. Anyway, we got into it. 15 minutes in, I was like, it's an hour class. I'm not going to get through this. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm dripping. Mm. I'm just like normally clothed at this point. I end the class. I did manage to get through it without keeling over um, in literally just a pair of shorts because I was like, that's all I can wear. There was a lady next to me. I asked her afterwards. She was 75. She was like an elastic band. Yeah. And well, so that's because she's probably been doing yoga for the best part of her 75 years. <laughs> so where did this sort of love affair for yoga start? Where did it begin? So my start was actually quite similar to yours. Um, I'd tried, say dabbled in yoga. Okay. Um, I'd been to the odd class kind of here and there from, I think the first time I went was uh, when I was about 15. Um, and kind of... Didn't, I just was really bad at sitting still. So I found it hard. Um, like a fidgeter? At, yeah, real fidgeter. Um, and a real kind of 100 miles an hour kind of person. Which is actually why then when I found hot yoga, it worked. Because hot yoga is quite... Um, it's obviously intense. You've got yeah. the heat. Um, and the pace of the class tends to be quite fiery and quite quick. Which fits very nicely with everything else that we do especially I'm based in London I've always lived in London it's a lifestyle that I'm very used like to like 100 mile an hour life yeah exactly so that type of yoga works very well like we want quick results whatever those results may be for me I just wanted to be able to touch my toes I was so inflexible um and in a hot room you can do that much faster than you can in a cold room yes. uh so I started to kind of see that this might be something that I would go back to. And I, I did keep going back and it felt good. Um, and then I could eventually touch my toes even in a cold room. Um, and then by that point, I couldn't care less whether or not I could touch my toes and something else had kind of hooked me in. Um, and yoga has a very powerful way of doing that. I think people turn up for all different reasons, um, whether it's because they've been dragged along by a friend, a partner, a parent, um, or whether it's because they're going through something kind of uh, traumatic in their life. 
or for whatever other reason and then they find something even more yeah um but it is not easy especially when did you go from practicing as somebody that went to a class to deciding that you wanted to go and teach people so I was practicing quite frequently and I really loved it but I also did a lot of other things so I had a job um working in wellness and I loved it but when I the company sort of took a bit of a different direction and I essentially got made redundant but in a really positive way where my boss asked me or suggested that I went and did something for myself um and you know and set something up created something and I was like cool no idea what that looks like um and so trained as a personal trainer and probably like after the first club the first part of the course I realized that was not what I wanted to do but I stuck it out I'd paid for it thought I might as well at least learn something but very quickly through while I was doing that course yoga was just becoming more and more a part of my life and I still didn't think I wanted to be a teacher but I had kind of the last part of essentially a redundancy payment but a sort of a launch pad um that was buying my food and paying my rent and it was about to run out so I spent the last of it on I was you know when else do you have the time to go and spend a month in India or anywhere so I spent the last of it on a yoga teacher training expecting to get a proper job when I got back um and actually as total cliche the first first day I was like huh I think this is what I meant to do. And it just felt really, yeah. And it just was the first time that something really felt right. And then it kind of evolved from there. And you do, you do a teacher training. It's like 200 hours. It doesn't have to be, I did an intensive one. It doesn't have to be that way. You said something really nice in there when you were talking about when you went and did your training and it clicked and it does sound a little bit, I know what you think it sounds like, but you know, people in today's society I think a lot of the time feel under pressure to do something to earn them cash to do the societal norm Mm. finding that thing you love I think is becoming less and less and less I think people just go through the mundane like throes of life it must have felt amazing to have that feeling and think like I could do this for the rest of my life yeah I think it it did definitely and I think one of the things as I I've sort of fallen into a place where I have my own business I never I never set out to do any of the things that I now do which has been a blessing and a curse um, <laughs> a curse being that all of the proper you know processes and formats that you should put in place when you're starting a business didn't happen and I've right. had to sort of fumble along and, and figure it out as I go but the the sort of blessing is that I didn't have any expectations of what any of this looked like And so it made it easier to just go with the flow a little bit and just allow myself to be open to various opportunities that came my way and just actually, again, cliche yoga teacher, but just kind of feel what, you know, what felt good and just go with it. You just said sometimes fumbling your way through something and finding something and finding a place or finding even when you're doing yoga, finding a stretch or finding something is very similar to that for me my very very small amount of practicing I always find the fact that I don't have a phone the fact that it's silent and the fact that like I get an hour to myself Mm. do you think that that can help people kind of clear their brains just relax and just take a second like ultimately yes but the 
process of getting there is not smooth. It is, it's really hard, especially if you're used to that million mile an hour pace of life. The thing that we are least comfortable with generally speaking is stillness and clearing your mind and just being and that's that's I think the biggest misunderstanding with practices like yoga and meditation and all of these things that are incredibly powerful is that we assume we have to be good at them for them to work but actually the busy mind that's running when you're meditating or the frustrations that come up in your yoga practice all of those are the practice. Yeah. That's not you being bad at the thing. That is what you're trying to do. And the way that you manage, you know, when you get you get into certain parts of a yoga practice and you might feel really angry for no reason. And, you know, I've had students who have come up to me in after class being like, God, I really hated you at one point in that class. <laughs> and I totally, I, like, I, I've had that towards my teachers and it's nothing... It's not because my teacher's done anything wrong or hopefully it's not because I've done anything wrong or to, to upset them, but something has been triggered and it's a process of learning to listen in and start to kind of just notice your patterns and your habits. I hate being bad at stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I look at it and think I'm bad at it because I can go for a 10 mile run and I'll be fine. Mm. I go to a yoga class. It is for me is absolutely brutal Mm. like personally and if you're listening to this and you have never been to a yoga class i would say go and do one just go and do one (laughs) and then come back and listen to the rest of this podcast okay (laughs) if you're thinking what's he talking about go and do a yoga class honestly go and do one i would rather go for a 10 mile run than do a yoga class i having originally stepped foot on a yoga mat from a physical perspective i now wouldn't you know if i'd practiced yoga five times a week or daily or twice a week I wouldn't say to myself I've worked out five times a week okay but that's just at the point that I'm at now and I see them as sitting in two different camps and I I think by doing that my approach to my yoga practice shifted it was very natural process but it shifted a lot because I was no longer looking to get that sweat and that burn and that you know, feel... It became more of a mental thing almost than a physical Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, yeah. But it is your job as well. It is my job. And and I think the, you know, the other thing is that it doesn't... It's not black and white of like, you're doing yoga and you're not doing yoga. And again, I like falling into so many of the stereotypes no, and cliches. No, you're not, you're not. But you, no, I know you take I know. the yoga off the map with you. And like sometimes being... It's as simple as like, one day this week, I was feeling really, really introspective. And I knew that what I should do to I was feeling quite anxious and what I really probably needed was a yoga class but I couldn't quite face being in a space especially being in a teacher being a teacher in London where I know quite a lot of other teachers and students the chances of bumping into someone and I just honestly wanted to not see anybody that I knew (laughs) and it doesn't happen a lot but it was just one of those days and i I knew that the good thing for me to do would be in it to be in a yoga class, but I didn't want all the stuff that kind of came came with it. And and I was chatting to my friend about it and I was like, it's a bit of a catch twenty two because I know what I need, but at the same time I don't want I don't want to put myself in that situation. She was like, then being remember that that understanding that, acknowledging that and, and just being kind to yourself and letting yourself sort of sit back and and be interested like that's yoga as well you know just being there are all these lessons that you learn on the mat through your practice that 
actually transfer off the mat. It's taken you some amazing places. If you go and have a look at Annie's Instagram, you'll see the retreats and the places she's been and the mm. things that you've done. That must feel amazing that something that you love so much is and is inherently you now and part of you and your work at the end of the day mm. has opened so many doors and led you to so many opportunities and so many beautiful places as well. Yeah, I feel like endlessly grateful for the things that I've been able to experience as a result of my work and um, with my work being born out of something that I love mm. um, I uh, I get to travel I run retreats and <laughs> I have started a bit of a theme of running a retreat in January because I find January okay. particularly hard okay. so if so I just can like go everybody else so yeah like everybody yeah, else but with the luxury of being able to choose to take my work somewhere in January so that's quite nice things like that are quite nice there's of course there are challenges and it's you know what you see people don't people get told it all the time probably don't need to be told again but what you see on Instagram isn't everything I try to be incredibly realistic and authentic with what I share because it just wouldn't occur to me not, not to be. be. <laughs> um, but I I am incredibly conscious that there is particularly a next generation of people who are uh, on social media a lot earlier than, than we were in their lives and um, that what they see is kind of what they aspire to. And I'm really scared about this generation who are aspiring to be celebrities and bloggers and and think that that's an easy way of living but all these these people that are taking those roles of course they have incredible opportunities they get to travel they get to experience a lot of wonderful things but they also have to deal with you know issues that we might not consider and the insecurities and the you know and I'm not necessarily yeah I'm not necessarily talking myself about myself and luckily I've had a limit so far of kind of the horrible things that people have said to me but um but I've got a lot of friends who who get it a lot and it seems so glamorous from the outside but the reality is is that there's the same struggles as everybody else but just probably with a few more holidays it's exactly the same as like you watch the news every night and people always say why is there so much bad news because as people we want bad news mm. and if you get a bad comment on social media I've had them as well mm. if I get a bad comment and I get 50 good comments don't care about the good comments no. I focus on the bad comment mm. that's not right you know all these people and there are people who are much much better at it than I am but they are doing they've had to learn to talk so yourself many. down a little bit you're, <laughs> you're very good at it no I'm not talking myself down but I just you know I don't I don't see sort of blogging and social media as my I'm very lucky that I get to use to sort of have it as a a a tool and a community and that kind of thing but I never ever set out to to be a blogger and I don't have an interest in the glamour and the you know if of course if it's opened a lot of doors and I'm incredibly grateful for that but my my practice is yoga and that's kind of that's the important thing to me and I, I think you know the big thing around social media is I had a sort of check in with myself about 18 months ago and I was like if all of this went away like if Instagram went away what would the impact be on me like who would I be without it and I then it really helped me sort of focus on what my intentions were at that time which was to really ensure that I was the best teacher that I could possibly be. You would be authentic to yourself essentially. Exactly Mm. to make sure that you know we, we don't know what the next 
six months of social Man, media looks like. It's such a weird time. So weird. It's so so weird. I just, you know, and I was like, this, there's this weird, weird space of inauthentic kind of, and also it's bored, you know, it can be boring people sharing the sort of the same things again and again. It's like, I want to add, I want to use that platform to add value to people's lives if I can. And mm. so if I can use it as a tool to, to share yoga and I, I kind of trying to think of myself as a translator to take the principles of this really ancient practice and translate them into a way that can actually help somebody now living yeah. in this day and age um looking at the current kind of you know culture and climate and and that kind of thing and so that's that's what I see my role as a teacher but also on social media as isn't it weird that we are the last generation that will know a world without social media now I can't really remember it without social media because my memory's rubbish like, <laughs> when I was a kid there wasn't anything there really Bebo was the first thing yeah, I went B- on Bebo I was on Bebo was, was I had was MySpace that before that I can't remember which came no, first I, I had both MySpace. of those yeah oh I did did you yeah no I did that. Bebo you got to choose a song on your profile and That's everything quite cool. yeah. it's just weird that like people growing up now and kids that are going to be growing up in the next well the next generation literally will not have a time without social media I think there's also this this backlash like we people are starting to reject it in mm-hmm. a way going back to the flip phone yeah and I mean I'm I'm an iPhone sucker so I know I won't ever have a flip phone again but I am um, people keep telling me that I'm so wrong but I'm just yeah I'm just I'm in there but the you know we're, we're starting to you know when we listen to music we realise that we never listen to a full album because you just flick through stuff so mindlessly. Um, and so now we listen to vinyl a lot at home. And, and even if you don't love every track on the album, you actually hear the whole thing and it makes you think. And, um, you know, and people are starting to reject this pace of life that means everything is so instant. Now, I don't think it's going to overrule the fact that that's the way that we're going, but I'm quite excited that people are becoming more conscious of how it has taken over. Well, there's our something lives. about vinyl. There is something oh, about vinyl. So I love good. vinyl. Like yeah. old school vinyl, like yeah. go to a charity shop and pick up Behind some. You. <laughs> go to the charity shop and pick up some just random vinyl yeah. from like ages ago and just play it. It's just that like Crack, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's just brilliant. It's just we've had sound. Lo- we've had loads of fun. Like over the last couple of years, as we started to listen to it, we um, like my we went through and raided all my dad's old collections. Cool. And this Christmas, my boyfriend's dad gave us some of his old vinyl, and there's some such great music. Yeah. And but stuff where you'd probably have picked out like two of the songs that you knew because they were the popular ones, but you'd have never listened to the rest of the album yeah. because we just don't work like that anymore. And, and I mean, music's just one example, but it's the same with everything, you know, the way that we consume television and, and you know, everything. It's all so quick and everything that we make on online, is, the attention span of people has dropped. And oh, so it's, it's insanely short. In terms of if we looked back at pre-yogi Annie, let's mm. look back at her, <laughs> what differences have you made in your life since beginning practicing so when such a big question (laughs) yeah well it's just got a funny answer so when I before I made quite big changes to my lifestyle in general which yoga was a huge part of 
I um, I was at university. I ran club nights. I was a bit of a party girl, not wild, but I was. I always wanted to do something other than. I didn't really get on that well with my studies. I was dyslexic, and as soon as we stopped being school, spoon fed at school. Um, I realised that learning things was actually... I had to work really hard to do that and I wanted to learn, but I just wasn't doing the right thing. And I... So at this... I was much more excited at the idea of, you know, I was running events and doing that kind of thing and having a lot of fun. I always thought I looked after myself, but in hindsight, I really didn't. Um, and, And the thing that really led me to my massive kind of lifestyle overhaul, I guess, which was much more dramatic at the time than it is now. Um, but I had, I just had the classic case of, you know, my, I had loads of food intolerances, which actually got me to a point where I couldn't, um, every time I ate, I had to sleep for about two or three hours because my digestion kind of was taking all my energy. Um, and so when I, I left university, I had a job working in wellness because obviously my interest was sparked by the fact that I needed to change something for myself so I changed my lifestyle I found um my you know my diet was originally the kind of the focus I you know I found that changing my diet and being really strict stopped me from socializing so much and then by losing out on a lot of my social life I felt really miserable by that and I started to kind of explore the link between our like physical and mental health and really really for me yoga kind of weaved into all of that and helped provide a bit of a mirror and help me kind of work out just connect to myself basically and most importantly it made me feel like a person that I'd never felt like before and I suddenly had energy and I was you know I had a passion Mm. and I loved doing I loved cooking and I loved yoga and I loved ultimately making myself feel good and if I had the opportunity to share that with other people then that was even better diet is so big yeah diet is so big I've heard people before describe it as like drawing back the curtains like mm. you just said then which was really interesting you just felt like a totally different person you didn't even know that person existed yeah almost yeah now you've done that with yourself is part of what you want to do then to share that with other people yeah and I think I do so you know I think I do center that at kind of the heart of my work and it doesn't have to look the same for everyone so I'm I'm incredibly conscious that like I'm not qualified as a nutritionist so I've moved away from a lot of the food stuff that I used to do originally uh, a couple of years ago I was asked to write a book and they wanted it to be like a pure recipe book and like conversation around food and I sort of I, I pushed back and in the end what we published was something which creatively was called Mind Body Bowl um, which is the name of, of my blog but it kind of had sort of come full circle and it was kind of you know what we can do for our mind and our body and using the food that we that we eat as these three pillars of well-being okay, yeah, rather than just looking at one um, because while food had been kind of the catalyst for all of it originally it was really once I'd sort of got myself feeling better it was really yoga and other practices that kind of elevated my feeling of or elevated my well-being beyond what food could do on its own and and now it's it's yoga that I share and the practice of yoga and 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 try to encourage people to use that to find out what their kind of what their sense of 
balance looks yeah. like and I don't like I don't like the word balance because I don't think it exists I think it's like a constant flow I think you lean in you know sometimes we're required to lean into one thing more than another and whether that's what we need to make ourselves feel good or what we actually just need to do to get by and also it's okay not to feel good from time to time yeah absolutely because okay. I think yeah. sometimes people nowadays particularly because people are striving for perfection and again it's that Instagram thing a lot of the time when yeah. people are just posting highlights you can feel bad you're allowed mm. to feel bad you don't just have to look at Instagram or think oh this person's perfect no one's perfect no and no I, one's perfect and actually you know that sort of feeling we we think that feeling bad is bad but the labels of good and bad actually just feeling mm. and under, you know like taking the time to just listen and see sense what you're feeling and get to know what that looks like and you know I said the about feeling really anxious this week and that wasn't something that I ever used to experience and it's definitely something that's come with pressures the pressures that are going on at home as well as pressures in in at work as well I know what that looks like for mm. me and I know what triggers it and I know you know I'm very fortunate that it's not a regular occurrence but actually for a lot of the people around me it is something that's much more of a you know a big thing for them um and for a lot of people that I, I speak to on you know social media who really really struggle with it but it's learning how to it's not taking those things away it's learning how to manage the kind of the, the flow of Pits life. And, troughs, and, yeah, exactly. and without one, the other doesn't exist. They exactly. coexist. They have to coexist, yeah. surely. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had a message then that you would want to spread now for sort of the foreseeable future, something mm. that you would love to take and give to people a bit of advice or anything, what would that be? I think, and maybe that's because we're, you know right now it's we're recording in January and and I've had a lot of conversations this week about people sort of struggling to to find their flow I guess this idea that we've always got to be working at a certain pace and in fact I've got to can I can I give two you can two give as many as you like okay so going at your own pace is enough we don't have to we're not trying to keep up with anyone there's no one that you need to keep up with and actually as um you know I live in I live in a city it's very easy to feel very disconnected from nature and the natural rhythm of seasons and and the cycle of of nature everything else in nature but pretty much every other being or that you know whether it's plants animals whatever has seasons and have cycles and at different parts in that cycle, things are going to move at a different pace. And it's okay for you to, to change pace at different times and kind of and, and listen in and find what works for you. And I think the, the feelings of overwhelm that so many people experience come from trying to work at a pace that isn't necessarily where you are right now. Um, does that does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Just I mean, I just that, slowing down yeah. basically, not being scared to slow down. I mean, from a personal level, mm. I found myself looking at people mm. all the time and thinking yeah. should I be doing more yeah that's, I always ask myself always. that question should I be doing more and actually then that leads quite nicely onto the next bit of advice which which someone gave to me I, I sometimes because I didn't ever really have a plan of what I was going to do <laughs> and sometimes you know sometimes things are challenging and sometimes they feel easy and when they feel easy I get this real sense of sort of imposter syndrome I think you know why should I be doing 
this or why should I have this wonderful opportunity or why would people want to learn from me? This wonderful woman um, that I was speaking to, Dr. Tillian, um, and she does a lot of coaching with um, very affluent businessmen and women. Um, but I was on a panel with her and, and we kind of connected afterwards and I said to her, I was like, I just feel, you know, this this feels easy and I guess that's flow, you know, that's me being in my rhythm and she was like, why do you think it needs to be hard? And I said, well, that's, you know, we're always told that we have to strive for something and push and fight for things that you want and that kind of thing. And so when it feels easy, there's kind of, there can be this guilt around it being, you know, well, why does it feel easy? And she's like, it's probably because you're doing something that A, you've worked your butt off for, for mm-hmm. X amount of time without necessarily realizing and you've gained experience and expertise and, and that kind of thing. But And the other thing is that you're also kind of working into the things that are naturally right for you at this time. And it's okay for things to be easy and actually celebrating ease is, it doesn't mean that you're slacking. It means that you're probably, possibly, most likely right now in the right direction. Mm. That's a really interesting thought Mm. because you do constantly think if it's not hard or difficult. Mm. The only time I can really think of that being related to sort of my life personally is if you're training for something, which I suppose is kind of similar, you're training for something to make the end goal easier, mm. essentially. So if you take a race, your race should be a victory lap of your training. So essentially what you're doing now is currently a victory lap of what you've already done. Yeah, and I think then it becomes continuous because essentially there isn't, you know... Well, it's that flow you were talking yeah. about then. And it's not, you know, it's not an end goal. And the, the the biggest mistake that I think so many of us make is conditioning our happiness on the achievement or the attainment of, of that thing that, that we're trying to move towards. And it's kind of a, a more wordy way of, of saying, you know, it's about the journey, it's not the destination. Mm. And if we say, I will be happy when, well, when we get there, the goalpost has moved because we're already looking at the next thing. And we don't, typically take the time to sort of then celebrate and enjoy the fact that we've got to where we are so then you then you lose out on on feeling happy or content or you know whatever you're conditioning on on Mm. getting to that place but if there is no specific end goal and it's different to a race you know I have no idea where teaching yoga is going to take me and whether it's something I'm assuming that it will be kind of you know right now I would be surprised if it doesn't carry me through the rest of my life and you know and be something that I continue but I'm as a teacher I'm continuously evolving and so things feeling you know easy now I'll probably go through a phase where you know could be tomorrow or it could be in 10 years time where things to, might start to feel a bit sticky and then you or you know you work maybe, in, yeah and then so you do you have goals those. would you have goals um I guess I work more with intentions so I and I'm a very feeling person (laughs) so I like to feel a certain way and one one of the reasons that I I you know go back to meditation I quite struggle with visualization even though I'm quite a visual creative person because when I when I think of what I you know if you're visualizing yourself in x number of years and what do you see and what's this and that I just feel how I, you know, I just Mm. connect to how I think I want to feel in five years time or how I do want to feel in 10 years time, whatever. And, um, and so 
a lot of my kind of, you know, what I hope for myself is that I feel a certain way through my life and that the impact that I have on other people enhances their experience and that it helps them to help themselves to feel good. So I don't know. I don't know if no. I just set goals. No, I did not. I've never even considered for, the fact of going for a feeling. Yeah, but that's just just people work differently. Mm. I did. I. No, but I like it. I my like... only like physical, well, actual goal that I can really. And of course, I have. You know, I have some things that I would like to achieve. But I also, I think, detaching from the outcome is really important because we can only control our bit of the equation and you know you're working towards something and there are an infinite number of other factors that are going to interfere with whether or not you get to achieve that goal really Mm. because even if you're running a marathon you have you know for example this year when I did and I was going to say that's probably the only like actual goal goal that I can remember ever setting I was like I didn't care what time I did it in I just wanted to do it just get round and um, and I did, and and it was really comfortable because I trained well, um, and and it was great. But I was flexible, like the whole way through. You know, I I didn't really get injured, but I had an injury, and especially with my job, I was you know my injury actually wasn't connected to my running, but it was impacting my running. And you know if if that meant that I had to drop out, then I had to drop out. And and luckily I didn't, but we don't, or on the day of the race, it was yeah. 25, to 28 degrees hotter or something. Did you do it last year? Yeah, so 2018, when, when it was, it was like, like 25 degrees. Yeah, I was watching last year and it was in London. Mm. Yeah, and it was it was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. But that's beyond your control. Yeah. So you might be there thinking like, I've got to get this time or I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And you could have put in that 16 weeks training or that three years of training or whatever you've done to get there and done every single thing that you can. But there's something, there's an infinite number of other things that are beyond your control. So if you can kind of like widen your net of what your your goals can be incredible for helping people get to all sorts of places. Yeah, motivational. And I fully support that a lot of like the students that I work with you know we work in that way because that suits them but my kind of encouragement and um, you know conversation around goals is just to allow yourself a bit of flexibility in terms of reaching it and and also if if your goalposts change or you change your mind about whether or not you want to hit that goal that doesn't that's not a failure it's different if you're like, oh, I'm feeling a bit lazy. I'm actually not sure I want to do the marathon anymore. But if it's <laughs> that actually I've got no interest in running and this other thing is really captivating me and bringing me joy, that doesn't mean you've failed on that goal. It's just you've changed trajectory and that's Move okay. the goalposts. Yeah. And accepted. Yeah. I think acceptance maybe is a big thing. Massive. Yeah. I'm carrying on this conversation probably longer than I should because I feel as though it's helping me as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing I did want to ask yeah. is you've taught in some amazing places recently, Royal Albert Hall. I know you don't set goals necessarily, but if you could teach one place anywhere in the world, you can take your pick, but you only get one place, like the dream place to teach a class, where would it be? That's really hard. I think somewhere epic, but mm. like nature epic epic. 
um, I want to say like up a mountain or something, but that doesn't work practically. Top of Everest would so, be a bit cold. Yeah, a bit cold. And I'm not sure I'm, yeah, I'd struggle to get anyone up there, I think. But um, yeah, although I think actually a friend of mine did teach on the way up. But yeah, amazing. God, that's a really big question as I'm getting more into my yoga and probably just a little bit older. I'm starting to connect with nature more and more. I never appreciated it when I was kind of growing up and now I really notice the power of it. I love all different kinds of places, the sea and but the jungle and the mountains and like whether the air is just so different. So yeah, maybe mountains, mountains, any mountain. Put me on a mountain and I'll do some yoga. There you go. Let's end it there. Put her on a mountain, she'll do some yoga. If people want to find you, Annie, how do they do that? Um, Instagram's probably the best, so I'm at mind underscore body underscore bowl. Massive thanks to Annie for coming on White in the World. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. She's got a brilliant beginner series with Lululemon as well. So if you want to give yoga a go, check that series out. On to next week's guest. His name is Brendan Rendell. Brendan ran coast to coast across the continent of Africa and is planning something even bigger that you will hear on next week's show. So I'll speak to you then.